Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks. I was out west and married. My husband was abusive. So I finally, after eight years, got the courage to leave. I packed up everything I could fit into a four by five trailer and I grabbed my dog and drove back to the other side of the country. It was terrifying, but I was happy because I was going back home. I was going back to where I came from. This is Stevie. After escaping an abusive marriage, Stevie decided to move back home to her roots where she planned to start a new chapter with some exciting goals. So I thought on my way home, it was a long trip. Here's what I want to do. I want to get a band together. I want to live in a specific apartment complex that's right downtown. And I want to work at this company. I had shopped there for years. It was kind of a magical place amongst musicians. <laughs> you walk in there and it's like the angels are singing. It's just such a grand place to be. Stevie's a musician. She plays various instruments and sings in bands. The company she's referring to is a huge music retailer in her hometown. It was her ideal place to work, all the bells and whistles. But what she would find inside the doors is a toxic environment that brought nothing but problems. My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived a highly toxic work experience, only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. So I applied for the job and I was so excited for the opportunity. I went as far as going there and sitting in their lounge with my laptop and using their free Wi-Fi so I could feel like I was working there and kind of put it out to the universe that I belong there. And after three interviews and about a month, they called me and offered me the position. And I was sitting in a coffee house at the time and I had to go outside because I was crying <laughs> because I was so happy. This was my dream job. Absolutely my dream job. And so I got the job and I started in November, I think November 1st of 2018. Within um, three weeks, I moved into the apartments that I wanted to move into. So here I was, I had the job of my dreams, the place to live of my dreams, a band. I had all three of those goals made in four months. I was elated. I, you know, and I was, I was still struggling with the aftermath of being with a narcissist, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew I was, I was abused and, but I was free, but I didn't understand that I, I really needed serious counseling, but heck with that. I got my job. I got my place. I got my band. Everything's good. I started there and they, they told me that they didn't really know what my job was going to be. It was a new position. The title was lead concierge. The company has over, I think they're up to 20 to 2300 people. So I got a tour from one of my team members and they provided us with a gym with a trainer. We had a coffee shop, we had a diner, a huge diner. We had a DVD lending library. We had a hair salon that did nails and massage. We had our own doctor and nurse that was free to all employees and their families. 
they would give out prescriptions for free if if they had them. Like I get sinus infections a lot. So I could go up there when as soon as I felt it coming on and get an antibiotic, which was great because not only did I get better fast, I didn't miss any work. It was amazing. And our team, we were there to help the employees. We were there to help them with any thing they needed. If they wanted to ship out a package, we took care of that for them. If they wanted their packages delivered to work, they came to our desk. We separated them out. We emailed the person and said, your package is here. Um, We had two venues we sold tickets for. We had a notary at our desk. We had supplies at our desk for the entire building. And the more time went on, the more was added to our list of things we did. And that's on top of getting emails from employees needing something probably every 30 seconds to every couple minutes all day long. It was so much to learn. It was so much to learn. And it was constantly changing. Honestly, it it takes a good year for you to really (laughs) figure it all out because there's so much Stevie's job was to cater to employees to make their jobs easier. She worked on a campus. This company offers many amenities to their staff and customers. I went on their website and took a virtual tour. There's an auditorium, diner, cafe, salon, and spa, arcade room, and guitar workshop. The building is ultra-modern, open, and airy. I can see why Stevie was attracted to this company, because it looks like they've built an amazing campus where it would be fun to work. But fun isn't how Stevie describes her experience. Right out of the gate, her supervisor had it out for her and gave little direction as to the expectations of her position. And so what I found out was that my supervisor had been given our team to lead two weeks before I started. And she did not know what we did. So in the beginning, she was very sweet, my supervisor. For the first probably month and a half, I barely saw her. She left it up to the team to train me um, because she didn't know what we did. She would come down to the desk once a day for a couple minutes. Her desk was across the building and upstairs, and she had a different team that she was responsible for, a customer service team. So she was now had acquired our team. We we just didn't see her that much, but this team was, my team, was so self-sufficient. They were hard workers. There was nothing they wouldn't try. They did not need me at all, and I would soon find that out. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't see her very much. Um, I didn't even know I was supposed to make my own schedule. So every day I would would email her and say, should I just come in at nine? Yep, it's fine. Like, I just, I didn't understand I was supposed to make my own schedule. So I did. After 45 days, she called me into her office and hands me this it says one year evaluation on the top but it's actually 45 days it's just awful it's she's evaluating me and telling me and and had this just pissy look on her face and her eyes were squinty and she was just telling me oh you you don't do this you're not you're not learning fast enough it, it just And I can't remember all the details because I was just kind of stunned. Like I kind of was like a deer in headlights. They told me when they first hired me, we're not really exactly sure what you're going to be doing. So I was totally blindsided and I'm just, I just froze and I couldn't figure out why this was happening because she hadn't paid any attention to me up until this point. At the end, she said, do you have any questions? And I said, you just gave me this horrible evaluation for not doing my job. And you've told me you don't know what my job is. And you've never given me a job description. I said, I would never have done that to one of my employees. That doesn't make any sense. And then she hands me a job description. (laughs) And the job description was 
you're responsible for special projects that the manager gives you. Like it was so (laughs) vague, like it didn't have any, there was nothing to measure my performance at all. Right after the 45-day eval, I went and talked to my human resources person and I told her what was going on and, and it how it wasn't fair. And she said, first of all, you need to just keep your head down and drink the Kool-Aid. And there are two other people. I saw this on Glassdoor.com. She actually said that to somebody and they said it on there. And I talked to another person and she had said that to them too. And so what am I supposed to do? And then she said, don't ever go above your supervisor. And I said, well, what if my supervisor is my problem? She said, well, then you come to me. The HR manager minimized Stevie's issues with her supervisor. Her brilliant solution is to just go along with the bad management and not make a fuss. If HR is telling everyone to drink the Kool-Aid, you know the leaders of this company are pouring the juice. I was curious as to what the reviews on Glassdoor looked like, so I went to the website. This company had a lot of great reviews, but this is usually the case when a company is serving up irresistible sweetness like a company arcade and spa. The devil is in the details. One review reads, If you just want to drink the Kool-Aid and get a bunch of free gear and make great money, then this is the job for you. If you have other aspirations, this isn't for the long term. Another reads, Judgmental people who reward bad behavior. Managers are telling you what to do, even though they have no idea what your job is, and there's zero mobility. Stevie's biggest hurdles were still to come. Her boss didn't pay any attention to her until the point that a romance started for Stevie. Keep in mind that she was in a vulnerable place, fresh out of a divorce when she met a guy that also worked at this company, but in another department. Now, I know it's strongly advisable not to date at work, but this is a huge company with a workplace campus where employees from all departments congregate at the company cafe. For a single person, it would be hard not to keep an eye out for a potential partner. And according to Bamboo HR, 22% of U.S. married couples met at work. I met someone who works there in a different department across the building. see him very much but every once in a while and he's kind of nerdy and played music and we would just chat and so I thought wow he's completely different than anybody I've ever been interested in but we started seeing each other and that was about a month and a half into working there so this would have been maybe the middle of December and that's when everything changed with my supervisor. And then she said, I know you're dating so-and-so. I don't want to see any proof that you two are together while you are in this building and you keep your mouth shut about it and you tell him to do the same. I was like, oh, that's what this is about. And what I found out later was that her And this guy that I was dating used to be close friends. I don't know how close. That's debatable. I don't know if they had a fling, if they were just buddies. They used to go to lunch all the time. They sat together all the time. So now I'm like, does she like him? I don't, I just didn't know. But that's, that's when everything changed. And he ended up being a pretty awful person too. But he got super serious, super fast and was telling everybody. So I'm sure she found out easily because he told everybody. I dated him for about seven weeks. It was it was a pretty bad situation. Anyway, I'll get into that in a minute. First, I'll tell you that I had I had a laptop that she had given me to work on for special projects. And every project she gave me had to be in Excel. And they would not put Excel on my laptop because they didn't want to pay for that extra license. It was unbelievable. So I had to use this different program that wouldn't transfer to Excel. So I would work on these stupid projects for like two, three hours, email it over to her and it didn't work. 
and then I'd have to do it over again. <laughs> so it was so ridiculous. And we have a, a lounge there and I would sit over there and then all of a sudden I wasn't allowed to sit over there. Anything that I was working on away from the desks, I had to do in her office. And that was just awful. Okay, really quick here. The fact that the company is willing to spend probably hundreds of thousands of dollars on amenities like a nail salon and concierge service for their employees, but they aren't willing to add a user to their Microsoft account? Adding a user for Excel is about $6 a month. I wonder if her boss actually talked to the IT department to get Stevie access to Excel, or if this was all part of her plan to single her out. So I had this other program and I would show her like, look, this isn't working. And then I was getting in trouble because I wasn't finishing these projects and they were ridiculous projects. Now, meanwhile, I am having a lot of trouble with this guy. He was awful. He was gross. He was sending me porn pictures all day and night. Uh, That was in itself extremely traumatic and awful. And so every time I would try to break up with him, he would threaten suicide. Like just, uh, it was awful. And I finally was after like seven weeks, I was like, I I can't stand this. So I broke up with him. He started stalking me. He started stalking me at work, at home, online, talking about me on Facebook, how he's going to kill himself to my favorite song. Good. So I finally went to my supervisor. I had not gone to her. I was ashamed. I was humiliated. It's just typical narcissist slash stalker victim here. I was, I was perfect. I am super codependent. You know, I felt responsible for him now. So I'm dealing with that and I'm dealing with her. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And he's harassing me my daughters in a band he started to go see her play and he doesn't even like that kind of music he started going to like my favorite places he was leaving stuff on my door in my car sending me flowers the idea of this guy won't leave me alone oh i'm shaking just talking about it um and that included work he worked there He worked on the other side of the building in a different department, but I would be giving a tour to, you know, kindergartners, and all of a sudden he was there. I would be at lunch, and there he was, you know. And let me say another thing about this company that is not good. Anybody who works in the company or any of the companies that the the man owns, which are, I think, maybe 12 or 13 different companies. If you hit command space on our computer and you type in a person's first name, it'll auto-populate and there's their picture, not only their work email, because we all have the same work email, their personal email, like your Gmail account or your Yahoo account, your cell phone number, and the next time you're going to be at work or if you're on lunch. So he could type command space and it would auto-populate to my name and, oh, she's at lunch. And I went to lunch at different times every day because my schedule was different every day. So he would just be there. And and then there was this one day, it was a Saturday, I was working alone. He came up to the desk and he wasn't even working that day. He just came to the building and he said, oh, I, I saw your band is playing tonight. And he said, well, if I can't be there, I'll be there in spirit. And I said, I don't want you to be there. I don't want your fucking spirit there. I don't want you anywhere near me. I want you to leave me alone. And I'm crying and I'm standing up and I'm shaking and I'm getting really, really stressed. And and he goes, I'm, I'm just trying to talk to you. I don't understand why you have to be so hostile, you know. And then he goes into the DVD library room and he comes back out and he's bugging me again. And he was like, I just, I just want to be friends. I just want to be able to talk to you friends. And I was like, leave me alone. Well, another male employee that is on his team saw this happening and he went up to his desk and he called me and he said, are you okay? And I said, no. And I told him what was happening 
And he said, okay, I'll get right back to you. And meanwhile, this guy finally walked away. He called me back and my friend and said, okay, I want you to write an email to this specific manager and tell them everything that has happened. Because right now they know a little bit, but they just think that he's oh, a poor broken hearted guy. Like they don't understand how serious this is. So this manager that I emailed was actually the manager of, of the guy that I was dating. So I sent him the email. And meanwhile, I had finally told my boss because it was affecting me at work. And then she had me talk to human resources president and I told him. So everybody at this point kind of knew what was going on, but obviously they weren't taking it very serious. So I sent this email to this uh, manager. And so they looked on the security cameras from Saturday and saw that everything I said was exactly like it happened and they fired him. They did tell me, we didn't fire him because he was harassing you. We fired him because we told him to stay away from you, and he didn't, and we caught him on camera. (laughs) So he got fired for breaking a rule, not for harassing me, but for, for doing what they told him not to. And then I would find out eventually he had done this to other women, um, mostly younger women who were too afraid to say anything at the company. stalked them and uh, threatened suicide. And so this was just his MO. All right. My first question to this company concerning this guy would have been, why wasn't he let go the first time they figured this out? Why wasn't he let go the second time they heard he was being inappropriate? Stevie said he worked at the company for 11 years. Something should have been done much sooner. I'd think that even if there was just one stalking incident at the company, they would change the searchability of employees' personal info, like Gmail accounts, home addresses, and scheduled lunch hours. They should have implemented a confidentiality policy for its employees after the first stalking incident. Eventually, he moved away, and that ended. Great, but the effects of of it still affected me. And I was still dealing with my supervisor. She acted like she was on my side. And I was so happy. And because we had had such a bad time, I felt like maybe this has brought us to a different level and maybe we were going to get along better. And then the next thing that happened, there was a a night where I was off work at six o'clock. And the person who was supposed to take my place at the desk, she said, I have a meeting at 545, but it's only going to be about 15 minutes. Um, I just have to show someone conference room. If I'm not back, just put the the sign up at the desk that said, you know, we'll return shortly. So I said, okay. And she said, I think I'll be back, though. Well, six o'clock came and she wasn't back. So I put the sign up on the desk. I clocked out and I left. A couple of days later, I got called back into my manager's office. And this time I had a final warning. There was a picture of me taken from the security camera that she printed walking out at 6 p.m. And then a picture of the desk at 6.20 with a picture of the desk and the sign and nobody there. The person who was supposed to take my place wasn't back yet from her meeting. Well, I was off at six. <laughs> I got a final warning. I should have stayed. I said, no. I, I asked her. She said she was only going to be there for 15 minutes. She told me to put the sign up. She'd be right there. I said, I'm not getting in trouble for this. And she said, as the lead, you are expected to stay, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I've got a dog that's been home for 10 hours. I'm going home. The final warning gave a list of like five projects. Guess where I had to do them on Excel that I had to finish by Monday. And some of it I didn't even understand. And so I was like, well, I'm getting fired Monday. And nobody gets fired from there. It just doesn't happen. And you can't do that. You can't just like hassle one person and and leave them, put them to standards that you don't do others. I've been manager long enough to know that. So this final warning, I'm just like, I'm going to lose my job on Monday because I can't get all these 
task is completed. And I told her that. And she was like, yes, you can. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't even know what this means. This means. Um, and without the right software, I didn't know how I was going to do all this. And so I said, screw it. I'm going to message the owner because he was my Facebook friend for for years because I used to shop there and he kind of friends everybody, you know. So I sent him a message and I said, look, I'm going to be fired on Monday and I know I'll have an exit interview and I would really like you to be there because I was like, what do I have to lose at this point, you know? And then he immediately responded and I didn't email him because I didn't want my supervisor to see my email because I didn't know if she was tracking our emails. She watched us on camera all the time. So she could probably see emails too, you know? So I, I got a response back immediately that said, I don't know anything about you being fired on Monday, but I would really like you to talk to the VP of human resources. Please reach out to him. I just told him you would be talking with him. And I was like, wow, okay. Well, then I immediately got an email from the VP of HR. And he said, come in and talk to him. So I did. And I told him everything, everything. And he said, well, first of all, I was kind of on the outskirts of knowing about this final warning. I didn't know exactly what was going on. I was supposed to get a copy of it. And I was supposed to be in the room when it was given. And we're wiping the slate clean. So the 45-day eval, gone. The final warning, gone. And I told him, I have been set up to fail from the day I walked in the door. And she was super sweet to everybody else. So it made me look like I was crazy. It made me look like I was full of drama. It made me look like I was paranoid. And I was. I I was. Now looking back, every time I walked in that door, I was triggered, you know. And you know what's funny about that? When I was talking to the HR vice president, I said to him, I feel like I am back in my abusive relationship with my ex-husband. I said, I feel like I am dying to do the right thing, but everything I do is wrong. And I don't understand this. Like in any manipulative relationship, whether at work or in personal life, when a manipulator targets you, you begin to become confused as to what is reality and what is part of the fabrication of the manipulator. Stevie listened to what her gut was telling her. She said it was the same emotions and confusion she felt during her marriage. But this is hard to explain to an HR director and even harder to pinpoint as a company. The company's solution was to have Stevie and her supervisor meet on a regular basis so they could be on the same page. But her supervisor had no interest in resolving the issues because they were issues in which she created. So now... Every day, my guts are in knots because I have to go in there and meet with her and I don't know what she's going to do or say. Sometimes I would go in there and she just didn't show up. She wouldn't be there. I'd be messaging her. I'd be texting her. No response. And she twice I went in there for my meeting and she wasn't there. All these times that she said all these things to me were just her and I alone which not if I could have looked back, I would have insisted that someone else be there. But I just, I was just so full of so much anxiety. I can remember just sitting in my car at lunch crying, <laughs> you know, just crying before I had to walk in. My stomach was just in knots. But at the same time, I felt like I belonged there and I'm sticking this out. Stevie didn't want to give up on her dream company because of one bad apple supervisor, but sticking it out became detrimental to her health. Her supervisor's toxicity and singling out had such a profound effect on her that she became a different person. I became a different person. My team saw me as drama, troublemaking, always crying. (laughs) 
And I was because I was just being fucking tormented by her. Like I just, I was a completely different person while I worked there. Shortly after her slate was wiped clean by the HR director, she was given an excellent review and a raise by her supervisor. But the positivity didn't last. Not long after that, Stevie was notified that she would keep her salary, but would no longer be the team lead because the company felt it wasn't necessary to designate a team lead for her department. Stevie was cool about this. In fact, she agreed that she felt the same way since she was first hired, when they sent her out on the floor with little to no direction on what she was to be leading. So now I'm just uh, one of the team, which is fine. And I go along, and our team was dropping like flies. Like, we were losing three people, and so we were given more and more responsibility. Now we're in charge of helping down at the coffee shop. Whenever they were busy, they would bring a little buzzer, and we had to run down to the other side of the building and make coffee drinks. I'm not a barista. I'm not good at being a barista. I didn't apply to be a barista. There's a million drinks to make and recipes, and I don't want to do it. Three of us hated it. We didn't like it. We didn't want to do it. We weren't good at it, but we would just have to go down there and really be in the way. Like, you know, here I can pour a cup of coffee or I can get some ice, (laughs) but, and then we, we opened another venue for concerts and we had to sell those tickets. So now we've got lines on the days that the tickets um, go on sale at our desk. I mean, it was just more and more and more. And then I started to have body pain. Like my whole body hurt all the time. By the time I would leave work, I felt like I could turn into a pillar of salt, stiff. I could hardly move. I'd come home and go to bed. And now looking back, It was my body just reacting from all of the trauma and the PTSD that I got every fucking time I walked into that building. I was triggered. Every time I saw her face, I was triggered. Every time I pulled up to the building, I was triggered. Yes, it was my body was just saying, get out of here. My knees hurt so bad. Like, it was so bad. And so now we're going through the year and she makes little snotty comments, but I don't see her that much. Um, But I'm still, still triggered. I still stress um, time I go to work. I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid every day that I'm going to be suddenly called into the office for something. Like that is what I felt every day. When COVID hit, the building basically shut down. Stevie's supervisor allowed some of her coworkers to work from home full time. Another coworker went to another department where she had worked previously. And Stevie, she was sent to the warehouse where she would work odd hours and would greet temp workers and show them where they needed to go. Although she was grateful to still be with the company during a pandemic, she couldn't help but feel like her supervisor stuck her in a less than ideal position, which even then the position didn't last long. Well, then that position eventually went away and the building was still closed and everybody had a place to be except for me. And I remember calling her one day and saying, so what should I do? Where should I go? And she goes, well, I just really don't have a place for you. And I'm like, wait, everybody else has a place to be except for me. So I started inventing my own things to do. Like I went up to our um, storeroom and organized storeroom. (laughs) And while I was there, I saw um, print shop manager and the print shop manager. I said, yeah, my supervisor doesn't have a place for me to be. Everybody else does, but me, she said, she's asked all the other departments and no one else needs their help. And she said, nobody's asked me if I need help. I'm desperate. And I said, Oh, I would love to come in and help. And she said, Oh my God, that would be great. So I started helping in the print shop. And we made all the signs for the whole building. And it was so fun. And I was so good at it. They were showing me how to use Photoshop. I was making banners. I, was, I loved it. And they loved me in there. They, they were so great to me. They, when I stopped working in there, they bought me a present and a card. And my 
manager in the print shop was so great. And she, um, she said, I'm going to write up an email and um, send it to your supervisor. So she knows all the things you've done and how much you've helped us. And so I told my supervisor that one time when she came to the desk and we were chatting. She goes, oh, she doesn't need to do that. <laughs> one time I was with the print shop manager and we were walking down the hall and we saw my supervisor. She was like, how are you guys doing? I've been meaning to ask you. And the print shop manager told her, oh, my gosh, she's been doing great. She's got us all organized. She's helping this, blah, blah, blah. And my supervisor goes, okay, really, though? How, how are things going? <laughs> Just so humiliating. At this point, Stevie feels close to hopeless with ever winning over her supervisor. She had already asked HR before the pandemic if she could move departments, but the positions they made available required a significant pay cut. With the down economy and rising unemployment, she stayed. Besides, she worked too hard to get this far. But the bumpy road wasn't letting up anytime soon. So we went on. The building opened back up. Um, I started seeing someone else who worked there in the IT department. Um, He's kind of one of the higher-ups. Wasn't in management, but had a pretty important role. And he would sit in the diner and face our desk every day at lunch. Looking back now, I think he was kind of had his eye on me because the diner's like two thirds of the building. It's huge. And he would sit right there in front of me. And eventually we started talking and I really liked him. He was really sweet and um, close to my age. He was maybe a year and a half younger, looked older, but um, handsome soft-spoken, interesting, but we started having lunch together, and for about three weeks, we would have lunch together every day, and we would just talk and talk to each other about our lives, and um, he had a really, really horrible childhood, and um, had me in tears a couple times, just, you know, had a missing dad who was a con artist and a drug addicted alcoholic mom. He was in and out of, you know, foster care and children's homes and just a terrible time. And um, I don't even know if any of that's true. (laughs) I felt terrible for him. Um, And I had a really bad childhood as well. So in a different way, but we just kind of connected in that way. And he had told me he was getting a divorce and um, lived kind of like an hour away. So he drove an hour away to work and back every day. And he was looking for a place here in town. And so we start dating and got real close, really fast. And um, he ended up staying here a lot, um, at my house and he was still married. I don't even think that they were, had a separation. I don't even know if he was separated to be honest. He kept saying his marriage was over, but now I have a feeling that like just moved from her house into mine. And, and I'm trying to help him find a place to live. And I'm looking at apartments for him because I don't really want him to live here. It's a, I have a small little 700-square-foot house. You know, there just wasn't enough room for two grown-ups here. Couldn't move into a lot of places because he had a bankruptcy. So, and he was just being picky. And I'm like, you got to buck up, little camper, you know. <laughs> you you got to just suck it up. And, and he just wouldn't. And then he just became really kind of shut down like he would just sit with his head against the wall and look all sad and I it was so annoying and I'm just like no and I I cleared out so much of my life and stuck it all in the spare bedroom in my office so to make space for him and he he just wouldn't leave he drank a lot and I didn't know that at the at first but um Sometimes, like, I would get off at 6, and he would be off at 5, and I'd come home, and he was drunk. Stevie found herself in a sticky situation. 
this guy would get drunk and belligerent towards her. It didn't take long before Stevie realized she needed to get away quickly. She drew the line and she gave him the boot. I got my senses together and I sent him an email while I was working and I said, I'm going to be gone from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. tonight. When I get home, I want all of your shit out of my house. And he was like, what? How, how could you, you know, and you did not give me enough time. I was like, I don't care where you go. Go back to your wife. You know, go, I don't care. And I swear to God, the first stalker that I had, you could have just put him in a different body. It was the same stuff. Hundreds of texts following me to see friends' bands play, emails, sitting by me every day at lunch at work within two tables away for four months. I was like, I can't stand this anymore. And I started taking pictures of him sitting by me at lunch. So I emailed the wellness person and I said, I can't stand this anymore. And I told her, I went in her office and I told her what happened. I told her he's, he won't stop. Like he can just hit command space and see when I'm eating. Don't trust to email anybody because he, that's his job in IT is to take care of email. So he can literally see every email I send or get. So I'm afraid to email. So she says, we need to send those pictures and you need to talk to your HR person and your um, RVP. And so I sent them the pictures. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And this is March. Finally, they call me into the office and they tell me that their security cameras do not show him sitting by me at lunch. I literally sent you pictures like you can see him. Well, our, our cameras don't show that. And I showed them all of the texts, all of the emails. I told them everything, everything. I showed them everything. I printed off all the emails and they were looking at them like, like it was so, I don't know, it was, it was humiliating. It was like putting my life on the desk in front of them and they're looking at it like all excited, you know, reading all of it. Like it's a fucking soap opera or something and um they're staring at me and I I said oh and I'm shaking I'm crying I'm cussing I'm desperate for them to just help me I just I just wanted to eat lunch in peace that diner is two-thirds of the whole building there's no reason he needs to sit right by me and I even told him one time, stop fucking sitting by me every day at lunch. And he said, it's the only way I can be close to you. Like, he just admitted it. I was really upset. I'm in HR, and they're telling me they're not going to help me. All I wanted them to do was tell him to just go eat lunch somewhere else. You don't have to sit right by her. That's all I wanted. Got up, and I said, I get it. He's more important than I am. And I walked out. And I broke down in tears at my desk. We had a little room behind our desk and I was bawling. I'm like, what am I going to do? And the next day I get an email from my HR person saying, I have to come in to her office and finish the conversation from yesterday. And I said, I can't. I said, I, I literally, I cannot talk about it again. I said, it's really affecting me emotionally. She said, well, I'm sorry, but you don't have a choice. You really need to come in, and, and it'll only take a short time. So I messaged my supervisor and said, please come with me, because I didn't know who else to ask, and I didn't want to be in there alone. I learned that lesson with my supervisor, but I, who else am I going to ask? So she came in with me, and I got reprimanded for my unprofessional behavior the day before in the office when they told me they weren't going to help me. And I go, okay, we're done here because I'm, I'm feeling like, uh-oh, I'm going to lose it. And she said yes, and so I, I walked out. My supervisor is following me, and she even felt bad. She was like so shocking. She said, well, I'm so sorry. And I said, so I went in the back room at my desk and my supervisor followed me and I just literally fell to the floor and, and was bawling and uncontrollable. 
And I was trying to get myself together. And I said, can I just have a minute and go to the bathroom and get myself together? And she said, yes, absolutely. And said to the other employee, can you clock her out for a half an hour? So I couldn't even have a breakdown without, with, you know, God knows we can't, we can't have one on the clock. So that was just like icing on the cake. Um, the next day I said, I am having a mental health day. I'm not coming in. And she said, okay, I understand. And then I called my doctor. I told him everything and my blood pressure was through the roof. I was hypertensive. I was shaking. I was such a mess. And he immediately was like, here's what we're going to do. Do you have short-term disability? And I said, yes. And so he got me all set up with short-term disability, made sure all the paperwork was right. I was, I had so much fight or flight. Like I was so full of anxiety. I was scared to be here. I was scared to leave. I had three months and my doctor was like, you got three months. I want you to find another job. He said, you have depression, you have anxiety, and you have PTSD, and you have been triggered with PTSD. Every time you've walked in that building, he said, you can't, you can't go back to work there. By the time Stevie went on short-term disability, she was completely beat down. Not only was she a victim of workplace bullying from her supervisor, but she was a victim of emotional abuse. According to Psychology Today, emotional abuse is a pattern of behavior that creates fear. Such mistreatment can occur in a range of interpersonal contexts, including a professional relationship. Some of the warning signs, which you hear in the story, include demeaning, shaming, or humiliating a person, delivering constant criticism, regular ridicule, thwarting a person's professional goals, instilling self-doubt and worthlessness, and gaslighting. Another thing I'd like to point out is that this company had a campus-like culture where workplace romance wasn't frowned upon. In fact, Stevie told me that there were many couples, whether dating or married, that worked together at this company. As I mentioned earlier, Stevie was in a highly vulnerable time in her life when she started her position at this company. The relationships she started were promising in the beginning. They always are. It's a love bombing phase. She had great chemistry with these men, and the events that snowballed from there were unforeseen. I'd like to point out the courage and strength it took to leave an abusive relationship. It's no easy feat. On top of the courage it takes to report a stalking coworker to HR, it's hard enough to go to HR with any issue let alone one as personal as the incidents in Stevie's story. Being the strong woman that she is, Stevie took her time off from work seriously. She faced the trauma and issues she had been internalizing and slowly started to find herself again. I mean, I I had so much pressure because I was struggling so much with all the trauma of everything that happened. And I, I don't know what was worse, the stalking intertwined with, my job and the supervisor and the shame and the the guilt and people saying, what do you do to these guys to make them stalk you? And you got to stop dating guys from work. Well, how about work doesn't hire fucked up guys? (laughs) Funny thing I found out about this last stalker, Um, by helping him do some of his family research. He's had three different last names. He completely lied about his education. And he's got a warrant out for his arrest in one one of our states. (laughs) And they didn't even check any of his stuff. So shame on you for not doing your human resources job and vetting these people. And shame on you for letting a guy who's worked there for 11 years have other young women. Like this whole year, I have spent healing. And in therapy, I had the um, EMDR therapy. Um, I've been binging on podcasts, to, and I've learned so much. There's no better therapy than listening to other people's stories that make you feel you are not alone. 
I, I will tell you that I, I got to a point where I did not want to live anymore. I couldn't handle the fear and the anxiety and the depression from not just the stalking, but being fucking betrayed so hard from this place that I wanted to be so bad. I, I loved being there. But God, I just wasn't myself. My body hated it. My heart hurt all the time. I just kept healing and healing and doing better. I started writing songs about my last decade. <laughs> um, and I'm actually recording now. It's called, the CD's called The Healing. <laughs> Go figure. It was only weeks before her short-term disability expired that Stevie landed a fully remote job that included research in an area that she's highly interested in. She feels healthy and no longer feels the anxiety and burnout she once felt at her previous employer. She says she enjoys being alone and discovering the side of herself. Her creativity is flowing and she has finally found some peace. Sometimes we have to go through such hardships that they smack us so far out of alignment, only a reset will get us back on track. Trust that the hardships you're enduring right now are the vehicles that are moving you to where you're supposed to be. Next time on Toxic Workplace. I'm going to tell you, the last time I felt like this was when I was getting divorced. And it was, you know, it was very, I was very anxious and I was depressed and I was upset and I was sad and I poured you know 16 years of my life into this hospital i've done things that are not even supposed to be part of my job and i've done it because i care about the patients i care about the community and for them to just feel like we're just going to move her out of the way i hope you enjoyed the podcast do you have a story you'd like to share on our show Go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Fill out the submission information and we'll be in contact. Your story will be told anonymously. All names are changed to protect the privacy of the company and its employees. We look forward to hearing from you. And hey, by the way, if you like this podcast, please be sure to leave a positive review. It's much appreciated.